Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at the Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, Average Director of Family Ministries, Doug Applegate. Doug, great to have you back in the studio. Thanks. I always hear you down here with Mike, so now I get to jump in again. Yes. Fun. Yes. Hopefully you're a bit more better behaved than Mike. Normally <laughs> I have to kind of corral him a little bit. <laughs> well, no one knows that we're doing this early in the morning, so um, I'm just kind of giving away something there. I'm yes. I'm tired, so I'm going to be very... It's all good. We're we'll trying to get the energy going. Yes. <laughs> okay. um, so, Doug, I'm just going to name it and say that I think there are certain verses in the Bible that tend to just become more popular. These are the ones you tend to see woven into a pillow or on a magnet on somebody's fridge or something. I, I think it's fair to say that the scripture you chose to teach from this past Sunday is not really one of those kinds of verses. Jesus kind of shoots from the hip, and it's pretty challenging to his listeners. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I actually think these kinds of verses are the kinds of verses we need to be intentional about revisiting because they can be challenging to us in a really healthy way. So you had us in Luke 14, 25 to 35, where Jesus is talking about what it means to be his disciple. And he opens with this statement. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and their mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm imagining that you heard this verse before, Doug, but it's still no less striking. And I know you kind of opened up a bit of this in your message and kind of what Jesus really meant about when he says he it here. But maybe can I ask you, what are some of the things you think can get in the way of us following after Jesus? Maybe things that can just become too important for us. I think that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here with with laying down family. But what are some other things that really can... Yeah, stand in the way of us following him. Yeah, I think the hard part with identifying what those things are is because they're um, they kind of sneak into our life sometimes. Right, it's not it's not something that our life changes and and all of a sudden there's this big thing that says, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to leave Jesus and I'm going to go do this other thing." It's mm. just a, a little thing that sneaks in, and actually, I think the things that cause us problems to follow him all the time. They're not bad things either, which really right. is kind of interesting that he gives the example of hating your family because generally speaking, our families are good. I know not yes. everyone's in a um, yes. healthy family relationship, but generally our families are supposed to be good. So he's so he's comparing, hey, loving me compared to something else you're loving. And something I always used to talk about with the youth are when it comes to our time, the things that are going to jump in front of God aren't terrible things that we have to be, oh my goodness, we have to hate that thing and get rid of it. Mm. It's soccer or being in a play or having a part-time job. Um, And it's these good things that just kind of start to sneak into our life Mm. and and we're doing them and it's not things that we shouldn't be doing. Yes. But all of a sudden, they just kind of start to get more of our focus. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to go to this practice or I have to go here and oh, I can go 
you know, to church later or youth group later, or right. I'll read my Bible tomorrow. And then it is always tomorrow yes. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and never today because oh, I got to get up and go work out. But, you know, um, and I think that's, those are the sneaky things, yes. the sneaky, good things in our life. Um, they just kind of start to creep in there. And then all of a sudden it almost kind of looks like, of course, we're not hating God, but we just yes. kind of push him to the side and those other things, you know, are the things that kind of take over. And so they can be anything for yes. anybody. They're all sort all sorts of stuff. And mm. um yeah. Can you can you design a sticker that says like watch out for the sneaky good things in life? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's a good spin on this uh verse. I'd turn it into that little pillow quote or that that could be that like a next a next step for people. Yeah. We'll just have stickers ready yeah. for <laughs> I love stickers. I you got your Niji Milo in front of yeah, me yeah, with yeah. A, a, amazingly no stickers on it. I no, most no, of us do. So yes. That's funny. Yeah. How do, how does that work in the dishwasher though? That's what I'm always afraid of. Uh, I I was just at a conference recently and they were promoting we have dishwasher safe stickers. Oh man. So that's what apparently the sticker company has been thinking. Yeah, they've caught on, you see. (laughs) Um well getting back to the the verse, I'm just thinking if if people haven't listened to your message, they really should because you do unpack this in terms of what Jesus really means by he it here. If you haven't listened to the message, obviously Jesus isn't saying to hate our family. When we think of that word hate often it can we can think of a negative uh, approach to somebody, or at worst, sometimes we want to hurt them. Yeah. Obviously, Jesus isn't talking right, about that. Right. What he's really saying is that this call to be my disciple and my follower is a high calling. Yeah. And especially for those who were listening first to him, I mean, some of them really were going to give their lives. It really was a case of laying down their family and, and sacrificing themselves. And so you can see why Jesus doesn't kind of just code over something. He's saying, you want to come and follow me? This is this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. yeah. Actually, something I didn't get into in my message, but in some of my research, I found the idea, too, of hating your family and turning your back on them was a real possibility because some of those early converts being Jewish and then deciding to, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus instead. Jesus was counter kind of the Jewish culture for, mm-hmm. for a while. So they really were saying in a way, mom and dad, I have to kind of hate you because I'm going to turn from you mm-hmm. and our country and our religion and our history. And I'm going to go to Jesus. And I know Jesus connected the old Testament yes, and, and they get, really yeah. weren't leaving mm-hmm. yes, you know, their Jewish yeah. heritage, but, but other Jews who weren't following Jesus saw him as they obviously the enemy. Weren't I mean, too happy about it. You yeah. know, Saul was out there, yes. you know, before he became Paul was out there killing and arresting Christians. Yeah. So, to follow Jesus meant, you know, mom and dad, I'm going to kind of, kind of have to turn my back on you. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, yeah. that, that's tough. Like, oh my goodness, how, how do you do that? But that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Yes. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it, you know, and there are other areas where, again, there's a few statements where Jesus says, you want to be my disciple, then do this. And it's always yeah. costly. Um, and so we have to really consider that. One other thing I was just thinking about when you're thinking about things in your life, those the sneaky good things, uh, I often find Tim Keller's definition of idols really helpful. So they're good things that become ultimate things in our life. And when I think of idols, I often think of influence. It's just a good way to measure anything that's becoming maybe a little too important in your life is to think about influence in your life. What's influence in the way you spend your money? What's influence in the way you spend your time? That's always a good indication of the things that are really rising to the top and that potentially if Jesus said to you, 
I want you to yeah. lay it down and, and follow me. It can't be higher than me. What would that thing be? I think that's always a good question yeah. to ask ourselves. Yeah. One other question that I they had around your message was actually one of the central points in your message, which really was the the challenge for us to be obedient to God above anything and everyone else. And Doug, this actually seems quite countercultural in the sense that so often I think we're encouraged to be obedient to what we feel or think above anything and everyone else. So why do you think that's such a dangerous road to go down? You know, why do you think God asks us to follow him in such a comprehensive way? You know, me above everything and above everyone else. Yeah. I think it goes way back to how we were made and why we were made. And so if you look at the Adam and Eve story, God is you know, making us to be in a relationship with him to be best friends, right? Like, because mm. I kind of imagine being in the garden, um, and especially before Eve came along, it's Adam and all the animals, and he can't talk to any of the animals. I don't think he was able to talk right. to any animals. Um, and so, <laughs> like, be confirmed. Yeah. Like, we're not exactly yeah. sure. But. So, um, and then, so the only, only other person to, to hang out with is God. I mean, mm. that's it. That is the relationship. God is like, man, I'm going to make this cool thing called a human being and we're going to mm. be able to hang out and talk and, you know, be with each other and mm-hmm. we're going to love hanging out together. I mean, th- that's why we were created. Like, mm. that's it. Yes. You know, if you, and I'm kind of simplifying, probably people could push back if they want to a little bit, but very simply, that's kind of how I'm, I'm foundationally. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, okay. If, if that's why we were, made then god is saying you you have to be with me like that that's why you're here is to be with me like mm. like adam was with me and and i'm imagining god is is having a lot of fun when he's first initially thinking of of adam and then he's like i'm going to make eve too and then then and then i'm going to step back and i'm not going to make any more people mm. they're going to make people right but, but they're going to still be my people like yes you know so yeah. then he must have just been like he's like He's like grandpa, kind of, right? yes. you know. So then he's yes. just like excited, like, "Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have all these grandkids, you know, and we're gonna be hanging out together and celebrating yes. stuff and living life together." And that, and, and if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, that's what life would have been: would have been mm. in the garden with God constantly, all the time. Mm. And so I think when Jesus is making this calling, it's not like you know he's saying, "Choose me over somebody else," or um, he's just saying to us, "Man." giving me everything is what life is really all about. That's it. You know, like give Mm -hmm. me everything you got and that, that that's what you're here for. And that's how life is going to be best. And I don't know if I said it in my sermon, I might have, but there's this junkyard kid years ago that had this awesome statement and we say it a lot and it's that God's better is better. Mm. So we might think we're creating something better in life and Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, my better is better than whatever you think you're going to do in your life. Mm. And and what's better is giving me everything and being in full relationship with me because mm-hmm. that's what we were made. So yes, that's kind of where I go with that when you. Yes. When, when, when you I think that of that up. question, I think that's where I immediately go as well. The whole idea of being made by God. And if we're made by him, then he is the one who knows what life is meant to look like, I mean, yeah. how we're meant to live. But I, I mentioned about a cultural narrative there of just kind of like, you know, trust yourself, your instinct, your desires above anything else or anyone else. Like, it's almost like that's where we're putting the emphasis in, in modern culture. 
But I, I think the main danger, obviously, is that is that the Bible communicates quite clearly that there's a brokenness inside of us yeah. in terms of our moral compass, in terms of our instinctual desires, even our perception of God, our perception of others is pretty skewed. And so we need something outside of us right. to be that for us. Yeah. And, and we believe, obviously, that is a good, perfect, holy God. Right. Who we can be in relationship with. Yeah. One last question. So I'm thinking of the practical outworking of your teaching, you know, obeying God in every area of your life. And if we had the time, you know, we could go through different areas of people's lives and think about what it looks like to follow God in those areas, to be a disciple of Jesus in those areas. Uh, but we don't have time for that. But since you're the director of family ministries here at the Ridge, I want to ask you, what do you think it means to fully obey God in the area of family? You know, what does it look like to be a Jesus follower in those relationships? How would you advise people? One of the things that I'm leaning in towards as I'm trying to help provide and guide families is to really resource parents and help them understand how important they are in modeling what it looks like. Um, Cause coming out of youth ministry and now into parent ministry, I was really caring about teenagers and one of our big goals and hopes and desires as a, as a teenager graduates from high school and they become a young adult and move off onto their own, that they have a real faith and mm-hmm. they really want to follow Jesus and love God all on their own. Not because mom and dad said so, or not because, you know, they think that's the right thing to do, but it's because it's what they want to do and they want mm-hmm. to be in that relationship. So we always wanted that for our teenagers and for that to happen, they have to see that being modeled at home and parents have, I've said it a lot and it's, it's true in all the studies I've ever seen, parents have the biggest influence in their kids' lives mm-hmm. over everything else. And so I really want parents to lean into that influence that we won't get into all the details now, but I think God has constructed the family unit in such a way that he's given parents that influence to be able to guide their kids and to teach them. Right. And for them, um, for parents to model that to their kids, one of the biggest things that I've learned as I've listened to people and been taught by people, one of the biggest things that drives a kid away from their faith is to see the hypocrisy in their parents as they're growing mm. up. So parents say, Hey, do this. But then parents don't do that. Parents say, Hey, love Jesus. But then it doesn't look like they're loving Jesus. Right. So I think to give God your everything in the family for the parents, it's, you have to, it's that old adage of, um, uh, do what you say. Uh, I mean, like if you're going to yeah, speak yeah. it, then, then, then walk it, yes. you know, walk the talk. I think that's the saying I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Um, so for parents to be authentic in their faith and their relationship with Jesus, showing their kids what it looks like to live for him and to make decisions um, based on what God wants us to do, not what the world wants us to do. Just being authentic and, and dealing in, I think dealing in every situation you have, again, what does God want me to do in this situation? And, the blessing that you're going to give your kids by doing that is going to be monumental. Yeah. So your kids are all adults yeah. now. Yeah. And do you think there's anything to be said of when your kids get kind of old enough, being kind of vulnerable with them in terms of <clears throat> what's going on in life or oh. your broader family? Yeah. Because so often it's in those spaces that they can see God work or you're, you're coming to God together. Does that, yeah. if that make sense? Yeah, you yeah. Need, you're, you've got a request together. Uh, our kids have started to get old enough. We had something kind of cool where God provided in a really amazing way a few months ago. And we were able to share that with them. This yeah. is crazy. Look at God, what God yeah, just did. Exactly. Um, did you find that in your yeah, with your family? Yeah. Open up sharing, letting them know kind of what's going on behind the curtain. 
You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I think as parents, we all have those conversations with our spouse and uh, it, something serious or, or, or we're celebrating a joy or maybe in your situation where God provided, you had a conversation before that with Bridget and you're mm-hmm. thinking, hey, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to do this? Right. And, and you're talking kind of privately, you know, and you don't want to worry the kids. And, right. and it, it's easy. We've all done it. You know, kids come into the conversation or come into the room and we're like, oh, this is, you know, this is adult right, right. conversation. You know, right. Can you guys please leave? But then they don't learn anything. They don't learn how you guys and how we are are handling situations and how we're getting nervous, but then saying, hey, God will provide, and then waiting to see how he does, and then mm. to be able to know that he does, and then to be able to share that with with your kids. Mm. Um, that's that's how they learn how you're living life. Now, granted, that being said, you know, I don't, I don't think it's healthy for parents to go out there and just share absolutely everything. And that's right. where you just need some discernment. Yep. But I think I would encourage parents to – maybe share a little bit more. I think generally speaking, we probably maybe don't share enough with mm. our kids. And I think, and especially if it's real stuff and it's, and it's God stuff, that's great. That's really mm. good. And I think we have to be able to notice those things and, mm. yeah, and then, yeah, let the kids see it and let, yeah. them, let them hear how you've made decisions. I think one of the also biggest things that has helped us as our kids got older um, is they'd see me kind of yelling at Michelle or we'd have be having a fight or something. Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't see us. Um, they wouldn't see me later asking for forgiveness mm-hmm. and saying, honey, I like, I totally was mean back there. I didn't, right. I didn't do what I said I was supposed to do. And right. I, I blew it. And would you forgive me? That happens after the argument mm-hmm. where the kids hear us in the living room yelling. And then um, they don't hear the, the apology, the forgiveness, the the repentance. Mm-hmm. And so at one point we realized, hey, we have to let our kids know that happens as well. you know. And mm-hmm. so we'd pull them aside and say, hey, last night you heard me kind of raising my voice, and mm-hmm. but you didn't hear me later go and apologize to your mom. And she gave me the forgiveness that you know, I was hoping she would, and she did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, being vulnerable, I think you said just a minute ago with our kids and what's happening in our life so they can see how we're giving God our everything and every relationship mm-hmm. and, and every piece of life that we're living. Yeah, those experiences can be, they are building blocks of faith for us, but they can also be that for our yeah. kids, you know, so, well, Doug, thanks so much for your time today and just all the work you've put into to crafting this message. Uh, always great to have you visit the studio and please consider that stickers idea that I mentioned <laughs> at the top of the show. Um, and thank you for listening. Be sure to check out more content and conversations on our Ridge University podcast channel, all geared to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. You're going to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcast provider. So thanks again for being with us. We'll hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at The Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.